Amen, amen. I invite you to remain standing as you are able in body or spirit as we read God's holy word together today, which comes from us from Paul's letter to the Galatians. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Friends, may God add blessing to the reading, hearing, and understanding of this portion of God's holy word. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Again, it is indeed a joy to be with you all in worship today. Um, it is especially a joy to celebrate a baptism. I know I keep on saying that, but it really just is one of the most joyous parts of my job is getting uh, to baptize uh, persons into our family of faith. Um, I get such incredible joy out of that. I also get joy out of seeing children learn and grow in faith. And one of the ways that we do that is through Vacation Bible School, which is coming up very, very soon. You can find more out about that by going to phumc.com VBS. There are still slots available for families to sign up together so that all of the families are getting to learn together and grow together in faith. We're really, really excited about that, which is to come. Um, and so invite you uh, those of you with children or grandchildren or nieces or nephews or neighbors uh, to visit phumc.com slash VBS, learn more, um, and invite people and sign up. So we're really excited about that coming up. Um, again, we say a word to all of those um, on Father's Day who are excited about this day. Uh, we say a word of thanks to fathers who have loved us and cared for us and nurtured us and we also recognize that this is a really difficult day for a lot of people. Um, and so we hold that uh, and treasure that this day as well. Let us turn to God in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It is a truth universally acknowledged that whenever new children come into a household, there has the possibility of being sibling rivalry in that household. Um, I don't know about you, but my family certainly experienced that to the point that when my younger siblings were born, my parents um, made it possible for the new baby to give the older siblings a present so that they would be gladly welcomed um, into the world. 
A friend of mine recently had a child that was born a young son, and he and his wife already had a three-year-old daughter. As they brought this precious child home from the hospital, the little girl was enthralled with this baby, enthralled with the baby that looked like the babies that she would carry around in the strollers in her house, and she was just enthralled with this little one. She couldn't get enough of him that first day. But when it came time for bedtime, she turned to her parents and she said, well, when is he gonna go home with his parents? To which they responded, well, actually we're his parents and he's sticking around. There is a tendency that we have as human beings, it is normal and it is natural for, to have sibling rivalry. It has existed since the beginning of time. And here in our scripture for today, we encounter a little bit of a different kind of sibling rivalry as those who are part of this newly formed family of faith in Jesus Christ had begun to ask the question, who were the legitimate children of God? Who were the legitimate children of God? Because some people thought that only if you practiced the Jewish law could you be a legitimate child of God. Only if you were to adhere to the cleanliness codes. Only if you were to adhere to kosher eating and avoid shellfish. Only if you were to adhere to the laws about circumcision were you to be able to be a legitimate child of God. And so there's this incredible quarrel and conflict going on in the early church at Galatia about this sibling rivalry for those who are part of this family of faith. And so Paul comes into this discussion and in many more than one word, essentially says, no, you do not have to follow the law in order to become a child of God. Because you see that identity that is given is not one that can be earned. It is a gift that is given by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That analogy that Paul gives there about the law, calling the law a guardian, the word used there in Greek is pedagogue. And it was a word used to describe at the time a servant who would be in charge of making sure that the household heir, the heir to the inheritance of that household of that servant's master didn't get into trouble. <laughs> and so this pedagogue, this guardian would go around and live life with the heir of the household to be their personal servant essentially, but to make sure that they were living a good life to make sure that they did not get into any trouble before they inherited that which they were due. Paul is using this analogy to talk about the law as this guardian that has been leading and guiding people on how they are to live as people of God, how they are to live as children of God and heirs to the faith. The law has been very important in shaping communities and in helping them 
to try and figure out how they are to live, but, but their adherence to the law is not what made them children of God. It is not what enabled them to inherit the faith. It is not what made them heirs to the grace of God. Nothing they could do, nothing they would do, made them children of God because they were claimed by God already. They were claimed by God already. They were heirs of God regardless. And this idea of all of these different people being children of God was a pretty big deal. Because you see, at that time, normal heirs, normal people that would have an inheritance of any kind were a very small portion of the population. The people that were heirs were those firstborn sons of wealthy families that would have an inheritance that they were going to get upon the death of their parents. It is only those firstborn males of wealthy families that in many ways would have been considered the inheritors in that time. But what Paul says is that when it comes to faith, when it comes to the grace that we inherit from our Lord Jesus Christ, when it comes to being children of God, all of us are heirs. He says there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, male nor female. All of those markers that in culture limit what a person is considered capable of doing in this world. All of those markers that keep people stuck and keep people down and keep people separate and keep people from living into their God-given identity and purpose are struck down in Jesus Christ. All of those things that we look at and judge people by, all those things that we look at and limit people with, all of those things that even we as faithful people sometimes sin and cast people aside for, Jesus is saying no. Those are not limitations for us as the body of Christ. Those should not be limitations for any of us because all of us are children of God when we are baptized into the faith. Baptism is a radical thing. <laughs> for many of us who have grown up in the church, we consider baptism just something that happens in the life of the church. But in that early church, for those early followers of Jesus, this concept of baptism, that it wasn't something that we earned, that it wasn't something that we could work our way up to in order to gain something from God, 
that it was something that was simply an extension of the grace of God that drew all people together in the faith, that drew all people into this community of grace and forgiveness that counteracted the violence and the classism and the racism and the patriarchy of the world, that was a radical concept. And it continues to be a radical concept today. Because despite how much we wish as people of faith that in 2000 years, we would be at a point where we really get it right. We know that too often those divisions, those divides, those stereotypes, those culture wars, those social structures of hatred and violence and judgment, too often those have been a part of the body of Christ as well. And for that, we need forgiveness. We need repentance. But the good news is that in Christ we have that. Because in baptism, it is not about how good we do at being the people of God. It is about God and God's grace, which covers us all, which names and claims us as children of God, even perhaps especially when we fail. And that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are made new, we are drawn together, and we are empowered in a way that we cannot even begin to imagine is possible. Because in Christ, we are all heirs. We are all heirs of faith. That is the inheritance that we are promised. Paul says you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. As heirs, we inherit the faith of God, the faith of Christ Jesus. Many times when we think about faith, we're thinking about our faith, how weak or how strong our faith is. But the faith that is talked about in scripture here for Paul, this word pestis in Greek, is a word that is not some kind of cognitive belief, but it is a word that was akin to trust, to fidelity, to faithfulness. And the faith that we inherit is not only our faith, but Christ's faith. Because again, the point isn't that we are good enough, but that God is always more than good enough 
to cover us. That is our inheritance. Our inheritance is the faithfulness of Christ that covers us when we do let our culture take over in our lives. When we do let judgment and stereotypes take over in our minds. When we do find ourselves eaten up by anger and resentment. When we do find our hearts troubled and weighed down and burdened when we do find ourselves believing that we are not enough. Christ's faith is more than enough. And that faith is our inheritance. That all of us, and as children of God, receive. And just like Abraham's seed, we receive this blessing not so that we can flaunt it, not so that we can view this simply as a privilege, because that's where a lot of our problems come from when it comes to judging and pushing aside people, but so that we view this identity as children of God not just as a privilege, but as a responsibility as well. That like Abraham's seed, Abraham was told that you are being blessed so that you can be a blessing. And so as we receive these words from Paul, as we bear witness to the radical nature of what Christ offers us through baptism, as we remember that we are children of God, That no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, no matter what has been done to us, we are claimed by our Savior and covered in God's grace as heirs to the faith of Jesus Christ. Let us live into that identity. Let us seek to live as children of God. Not asking if our siblings are going to go home with their other parents. but welcoming them as siblings of the one who covers us all. Let us live as those covered by the grace of God to share that grace, to live in that grace, to ask forgiveness when we need it, so that all people All people, Paul says, may know that that invitation to be heirs is extended to all. That they may know that they too have an inheritance of faith waiting for them in the beloved arms of our Savior. Amen.